listening to Enjoy an Album, the podcast where two comedians listen to the top 500 greatest albums of all time. This week, it's Jefferson Airplane with Surrealistic Pillow. Yeah. Um, we didn't say this in the episode, but um, do you know why it's called Surrealistic Pillow? Uh, yes, I did my research. I actually believe it's called that because uh, Jerry Garcia of Cherry Garcia fame, the I was going to say the Frankie and Benny's flavour, but it's actually the Ben and Jerry's flavour, and those are distinct groups of people. Wow. He was Do you think all Italian-Americans are the same? Do you, do you think... <laughs> I don't think Jerry Garcia is Italian. No, but Frankie and Benny's and, oh. and Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's aren't Italian? It's not Italian-American. Are they? I think they're, hip- they're hippies. They are, that's why they named their uh, ice cream after the guy who was the spiritualistic advisor for this record. Yeah, okay. Among other things, oh, he he was producing it. He said, "This is surrealistic as a pillow is soft," and I think they could have tried harder. I think first. "surrealistic pillow" is a good title. It's like just just about weird enough to stand out, you know, without mm. it being too far. You know, they're a psychedelic band. Um, and also something else I've got to say. Do you know what they call Jefferson Airplane? Yeah, I was going to talk about this as well. You ever done a Jefferson Airplane, mate? You ever done that? Um. Yes. A Jefferson airplane is when you split a match in half and then use that to hold a joint and then you smoke it without burning your wee fingers. Really? Yeah. You've got the other explanation. The I... guy was in the guy in the band was uh, was getting reviewed and he was like Oh, he was a fake blues singer, isn't it? I'll read the quote. Okay. I had this friend, Steve Talbot in Berkeley, who came up with funny names for people. His name, for me, was Blind Thomas Jefferson Airplane. Mm-hmm. A joke about the uh, the blues uh, musician who was in your quiz previously called yeah. Blind Lemon Jefferson. Big welly grabber. Um, when the guys were looking for band names, nobody could come up with something. I remember saying, you want a silly band name? I got a silly band name for you. Um, Blind Thomas Jefferson Airplane. Mm-hmm. So surely the technique that you're talking about, smoking joints, was named after the band. 100%, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. All right, we've got some extra... Look, little bonus intro little album bonus intro, info. Yeah. Probably more informed there than I was in the actual episode. Oh, it's a good episode. Good episode. Yes, you said it. Funny way of saying that. Oh, it's a good episode. Why, yeah, you want to give yeah. you a good episode, well, I thought too. it's a great episode we got upcoming this week. How's your week been? I spent it in London town. And I'll I tell know. you what... Are you one of these Scots who likes to go... Uh, London, <laughs> hate it. I was for a while, but you know what? I think visiting New York has really made me appreciate London a wee bit more. Because I love that so much, then I come back and I go, eh, this is kind of like that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? My theory on London is, it's great if you can afford it to be great. Mm-hmm. If you can, If you stay somewhere central and you can soak it all in, Mm-hmm. And you know where you're going and what to do. I think it's can be a fantastic, amazing city. Yeah. If most people's introduction to London is going to stay at their mates, 
when they're on the outskirts of Greater London, mm-hmm. um, when everyone's got no money. And yeah, uh, if you haven't got any money in London, it's shit. And I would say about 90% of people who live there fall under that bracket. <laughs> so for most people, it's shit. Which some people would say makes it a shit place. I disagree. It's capable of uh, good times. But I only have it in small doses now. You know, I only have to go, go sure. down for a weekend at a time and I'm doing gigs yeah. and catching up with old friends and going to the, the hippest new chicken wing restaurant, you know. I had a Korean hot dog. Oh, That's yeah. a new hot thing. Cues yeah. out the fucking Yazoo. I bet, I bet. Korean hot dog. I miss... It was very similar to the tatty dog that you get in Pie Maker, actually. That's incredible. The tatty dog in Pie Maker in Edinburgh. It is a... Um, a hot dog uh, wrapped in mashed potato and then deep fried and it right. is a glory to behold so this is a hot dog on a stick mm. dipped in something like batter. And then batter but then they've got all this kind of like chopped up potato mm. and then they deep fried that so there's so much texture with a breadcrumb and the, the mm. potato as well it's really a, it's a bit more texturally interesting than the, the tatty dog which I'm a huge fan of Wow, that sounds great. And I mean, look, the the, the culinary uh, difference between London and Scotland is, <laughs> you know, it, there's a not that big there. <laughs> well, I know I'm not talking about In that, that exact example. Well, yeah, I mean, we literally named somewhere that's about ten minutes from my house that has something similar. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about um, chicken though. You can't really get good fried chicken in Scotland. Occasionally at a street food market, you'll get some wings. Good... Yeah, the, but the chicken in wings is not good. I don't think so. No, the wings do. You think that's the actual meat that's the issue? It it it's so wings is a chicken restaurant in Edinburgh. Uh-huh. Just to be clear to our listeners, yes, of um, course. and Sorry. they have like you know a uh, hundred different types of sauces that you can have in your wings. The actual mm. like quality of the chicken is not good. The sauce is good. If mm. you go somewhere, many there's like hundreds of good chicken restaurants in London, and uh, I'll take it one day. Me and you will be doing a weekend together. When we do the, the live store. recording for and the I will take Marvin you... Gaye album, Here My Dear, again, for some reason, <laughs> in Leicester Square Theatre, we will go get some chicken after. And your your tiny mind will be blown, my friend. I've had fried chicken in Manchester, Birmingham, London. I've had fried chicken all over the world. Well, just, just very <laughs> interesting that you would bring up wings as an example of something good, because that, to me, suggests that you have an well, un- I get the nuggets untested... In there palette i get the nuggets in there yeah um oh i've just remembered that i uh i have some free nuggets because i got a mcdonald's monopoly peel the sticker thing for free nuggets i'm gonna eat them tonight on my way to my gig here's a question have you had the zinger popcorn chicken from kfc the new spicy popcorn chicken i saw it in kfc the other day and it was sold out and i was very intrigued it gave me the worst acid reflux I've ever had in my life. Really? I thought I was choking on spicy sick, and I was. <laughs> great, great. Well, uh, <laughs> what? Well, as ever, thank you to Will McKee, aka Eddie Ting, for his fantastic job in getting this episode uh, packaged and shipped up for you, our loving general public. Thank you, you. Yeah, I'm talking about you specifically, the person, You're the listener who I'm talking to right now, I'm in your mm-hmm. ears, and I'm saying thank you for your continued support of this podcast. We are on, this is like episode 30, I think. Is um, this 30? I, I think this 29 is. 29 or 30, isn't it? And you know, it's been a joy throughout 
we're not getting tired. We're not getting tired. We're loving it. And you guys keep coming back and we're so grateful. So thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Barrio Finos just as much as the... Um, Lady Gargas. The Lady Gargas, exactly, yes. Absolutely. Uh, enjoy the episode and we'll chat to you again soon, babes. Do not call the listener boobs. Okay, lo- okay, babes. Please don't do that. Okay, babes. Love you. Bye. He's talking to me. Here's Rolling Stone Magazine's introduction to Jefferson Airplane's Surrealistic Pillow. Psychedelic scholars have long tried to pin down just what the Grateful Dead's Jerry Garcia did on this album, besides contribute some guitar playing, to earn a credit as spiritual advisor. But the real trip is the airplane's hallucinatory distillation of folk blues vocals, garage rock guitar and crisp pop songwriting. Glake Grace Glake Glip That's okay, we can there's a a, a a good there's a good cut point there. <clears throat> I think you put Grace Slick's vocal showcases, White Rabbit and Somebody to Love, made Surrealistic Pillow a commercial smash during San Francisco's Summer of Love. And Marty Balin's Spectral Today is still the greatest ballad of that city's glory days. There you go. There you go. San Francisco in the 60s, the summer of love. Boomeratus. Post um, beatnik uh, boom times. Post beatnik boom times, that's what they always call it. All these bloody hippies, these soon to be yuppies. Disgusting. Mm. I hate hippies. Do you really? Yeah. Well, you but come on, the the beats, your you know, your Kerouacs, your Bukowskis, your Posh Boys, William Burroughs. But you like you like some of their writings. I hate the road. Flow was boring. So boring. You mean the road by Cormac McCarthy? Yeah. No, what it says on the road. <laughs> on the road. No, Did you really I like, find that boring? I like Cormac McCarthy. Uh, I, I don't like uh, Jack. I read Kerouac. on the road when I was. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure it was um, uh, uh, Eddie Ting, who. Um, Maybe he gave me a copy of On the Road and we both read it around the same time Whoa. at university. Or maybe he'd already read it and then I read it. But no, I, you know, there was something romantic about the idea of Jack Kerouac sitting there with the scrolls and scrolls of paper being fed into his um You believe that? And him just banging it out. You believe that? Do you not? Have you not? See, all this, I was talking to somebody about this. They were like, oh, I find it so in- intimidating, the idea of writing a sitcom, you know, because you, you're writing a film. Like, you, re- you really hear that thing about Sylvester... Stallone just writing Rocky in like three days and it's like see all these people like and I don't think there are parallels between Sylvester Stallone and Jack Kerouac see Jack Kerouac he was like oh I just wrote it I just wrote it in one go basically I was on mescaline and I just wrote it in one go but if you look back you can actually find the notes that he made and the adjustments that he made he was talking absolute shite man edited yeah, like but, fuck no no but it was never claimed not to be edited Nah. It was just the first draft. He just um, he kept attaching sheets of paper to each other so it could go as one stream of consciousness through his typewriter. I don't like hippies. I think they're amoral. I think they're apolitical. 
and I don't like them. Well, this is a, a I mean, this, this is a happy masterclass, though. Absolutely, this album is like very much seen as the peak of the 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 summer of love hippiedom. This band played Woodstock, mm. Altamont. And the third, the third one that people talk about, can't remember what it's called. Yeah. So, um, well, before we get into all that, because I want to talk about um, some some of the Altamont stuff uh, later on in the pod. Okay. What What did you know about Jefferson Airplane? I knew they were a mad. Well, I knew they were a big happy band. I knew they were big in the sixties. I'd very familiar with somebody I love. Mm-hmm. Quite familiar with White Rabbit because of the Matrix trailer that just came out, The Matrix 4. Um, yeah. The film is coming out and they used White Rabbit as imagery in the first one because they're both about Alice in Wonderland and then in the new trailer they used that song. Quite on the nose a reference, but it, it sounds good. It's quite on the nose, isn't it? Yeah, I knew um, White Rabbit. It was actually, I was actually, when I was in um, college oh, wow. studying drama, uh-huh. I uh, was in a physical theatre performance, and uh, the director used one of this songs. One of this songs, they used this song <laughs> um, for one of the one of the main pieces. But he had cut open. He had cut over like um, dialogue from Quentin Tarantino movies or something into it as well. Um, Sounds like a real like, cool guy. That's like yeah. Uh, well, listen, this was like you know. We're talking about 16 years ago or something. So maybe then it was cool. And now it's tired. In 2004? Sure. I like I like Quentin Tarantino. I just think it's a bit fucking naff. Yeah, probably if I were to watch back a recording of that performance, I would probably cringe so much that I would shit out my spine. But yeah, um, Your balls would jump up into your heart. But it, it, they were already there. But in my um, in my nice nostalgic brain, it was a, a, a good experience. So I, I knew about them then, and obviously, uh, you know, somebody's love is one of those. One of the we've had these on the playlist before, just like just mega hits that are just in the in a general consciousness. Uber I played, hit. I played you last week. Yeah, a song uh, uh, that samples mm-hmm. or covers. No, I think samples. It's a um, remix. You could say. A remix. The Boogie Pimps. Mm-hmm. Somebody loved by the Boogie Pimps. Yeah, I, I remembered from being a teenager seeing that on one of those music channels. Uh-huh. Um, the music video is a work of art. It is a sort of modern dance re- remix. Don't of... you want, don't you want, don't you want somebody to love? It's good. Yeah. And in the music video, there is a, a bunch of babies um, in an airplane mm-hmm. getting ready to do a parachute jump. Mm-hmm. And they jump out of the plane. Mm-hmm. And on what are they the ground... What are they landing on, bro? A, a big pair of boobies. That, well, I wouldn't reduce the person down to just that. There is a woman in her underwear. But they land on the boobies. Yes. Uh, and it's all very silly. It's kind of like it was that you know there was a real height of horny music videos in like the noughties. See that one? Um, what was it? What was the one where they're all dancing? Uh, they didn't work out. Prades. Eric Prades. Fuck me, man. Was that your favourite one? I remember. The, one? I remember the first time I seen that. 
Whoa. And it woke me up. <laughs> Wake me up. Wake me up inside. <laughs> Getting a holy boner. Yeah. Got my name. That's what Evanescence did for me. I guess we're different. different <laughs> See that video, man? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Do you know that Robbie Williams, in an interview after that music video, The Call On Me, came out, just said, I quite fancy that woman. Can her agent get in touch with me? In an interview. Uh-huh. And then her agent did. And then they boinked. Just another example how I wish I was Robbie Williams. Absolute king shit. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine doing rock DJ. <laughs> duetting with Kylie on Kids. And then... Robbie and Kylie have got to have done it too, right? Kylie and Jean-Claude Van Damme on the set of Street Fighter. Now that is some sex that I want to hear about, man. <laughs> <laughs> the muscles from Brussels and the... Something from Oz. What rhymes with Oz? The buzz for Oz. <laughs> um, the other horny video I remember is Push Me and Then Just Touch Me. Till I can get my satisfaction. satisfaction. And it was all like, it was women in uh, like workout, not workout gear, um, worky, uh-huh. worky gear, tradesman gear. Yeah. But they weren't. They were licensed. Working. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the technique on the screwdriving left mm. a lot to be desired, if you ask me. Yeah, there was. I think it's good that things have moved away for that kind of overly horny objectification like you watch yeah. even like good bands well not good bands but like rock bands that i like feel like back then you're like fuck man you just really wanted to look at boobs and women in their pants and stuff it was uh, yeah it was just it was like literally just obviously it still does happen a lot but but there was a, a real time where it was just like oh you aren't even pretending this is about anything else yeah um uh, so you brought up the matrix which is interesting why uh, do you not think that's such a weird coincidence that this band was formed in a nightclub called The Matrix, and then it's used in a film series called The Matrix. Well, do you think it's a coincidence? Yeah. Do you okay. think the Wachowskis named their sci-fi franchise after a nightclub in San Francisco? Um, I don't know. I doubt it. But but I would assume, considering the connection to Jefferson Airplane, that they at least discovered it and then maybe played into it a bit. But I don't know, because they're only using Jefferson Airplane in the fourth film, which is like a relaunch of the series, whereas the first one has nothing to do with Jefferson Airplane. Right, okay, well then, yeah, crazy coinkydink. Yeah. In fact, it's such a coincidence that it makes me think The Matrix is real. The nightclub. Oh. I believe the night. <laughs> Wait, shit, they're going to like, I think, but yeah. I think it's real. I think it's okay. still there. I I watched The Matrix recently and it's so did I. fucking shit hot. It's amazing. Incredible. It really holds up. It was so good. It was like one of these things where you watch it and you go, I can't really think of any other film, especially in recent times, mm. that is uh, was a blockbuster that was so weird and out there that entered the uh, public consciousness in such a, a significant way. Probably for me, Tenet was this last one that really seeped into... I'm kidding on. <laughs> Nobody's seen that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Inception, you could say. Inception, uh, I would say, is everybody was like, oh, you've got a, a, a cherry, cherry Bakewell inside a Cherry Bakewell? That's Cherry Bakewell-ception. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's like, it's, it's kind of, uh, I guess, a fairly ambitious storytelling. Uh, but like, it's... Uh, other than that, it's hard to, to think of many examples. You know I love my Marvel films, so I'm, I'm uh, quite content. No, moving on. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so you mentioned uh, there was a nightclub uh, started by Marty Balin called The Matrix, and at the same time he launched um, the house band mm-hmm. that he called Jefferson Airplane, and uh, he was in. And this is how uh, this band sort of started was by playing that club yeah. regularly. Um, that's where Ralph Gleason, who started Rolling Stone magazine, saw them for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, Hunter S. Thompson used to drink in this club a lot um, and then obviously went on to write for Rolling Stone um, and it's where the Great Society another sort of local San Fran band uh, began to open for Jefferson Airplane at the Matrix and that is how the lineup for this record came together there was uh, Grace Slick yeah was uh, the singer in The Great Society who went on to then join Jefferson Airplane for this lineup. Pray silence, please, for the secret posho jingle. Secret posho, secret, secret posho. Do a fest that is just like your show. I don't have that much dasho. Secret posho. Now they got uh, the right one there. Grace Slick. Her dad was an investment banker. She on. went, she went, this is like the queen of the summer love hippie movement. And this is what I'm talking about. No, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. She went to Finch's College with yeah. Richard Nixon's daughter. Oh, come on. And she had quite a troubled life, Grace Lick. I mean, she was a model before she was uh, uh, in Grace Lick. sounds troubled, yeah. Um, you a wealthy model. That sounds really troubled to me. Uh, struggled with uh, alcoholism and drug addiction throughout the rest of her life and spent, uh, you know, had to go in and out of rehab. Um, although, this is the, a cool story, which I know, I think, look, okay, Secret Posh Show, but this absolutely rocks, okay? Yes. This is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Um, so she went to college with Richard Nixon's daughter um, called Finch College. They were having... Many years later, a Finch College alumni tea party at the White House. Mm-hmm. So she was invited. Okay, she'd already been a Jefferson Airplane at this point. Um, she's convinced she was only invited because they used her uh, original name rather than Grace Slick. It was Grace Wings. They didn't know who she was. So she hatched a plan um, with Abby Hoffman. Now, Abby Hoffman is like a he was like a big anarchist of the he day. He was in the Chicago Five. Chicago 7. I don't um, consider two of them allowed in it, so I call uh, them the Chicago 5. And the Chicago 7, uh, he was played by Sasha Baron Cohen in the recent Netflix movie telling that story, right? So she took Abby Hoffman to the White House uh, to, for this tea party. Her plan was to spike Richard Nixon's tea with 600 micrograms of LSD, which mm-hmm. is an insane amount. Yeah. It would um, drive him mental. Yeah, uh, but because it was like a, an all-ladies event, because Finch's College was a, a sort of women, female private college, uh-huh. uh, they were like, hey, that that guy who looks like Sasha Baron Cohen, that ain't no woman, man. Yeah. So they were, he can't come in. 
So he responded by pulling out a flag with the marijuana leaf on it and putting that over the front gate of the White House and then they both ran away. (laughs) Dudes rock. Fucking herpes, man. (laughs) What a fucking crazy plan. They were going to put LSD in the president's tea. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. If you're going to be an incredibly privileged person, you might as well use that to play some gnarly pranks. To get the Dean, Dean Nixon. To get Dean Nixon. (laughs) Take him down a peg or two. Yeah. Yeah, because he keeps cancelling the bloody sorority pies. Yeah, yeah, she's a bit bit of a secret posh show. All all these 60s hippies were posh people who decided to, what's the famous thing that they said, that guy said at the festivals about LSD, he was like, you're going to, Drop out, take this and tune out or something like that. And it was like, all right, or you could actually fucking get your act together and uh, change some stuff, you know, like all the black people had to do instead of use lot. Uh, yeah, so, you know, the Summer of Love, they took over an area of San Francisco, basically, for an entire summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was kind of the, the, the soundtrack to that. And like you said, that phrase of the dropout, that's where the whole... The idea of college dropout, yeah, like that comes from from that, um, and this album was kind of like the height of summer love, um, and the the sort of end of the summer love you mentioned earlier is the the Altamont Festival. Yeah, can I do? A, I know about this. Can I talk about it for a wee bit? Sure. To sum up, the Altamont Festival basically big old rock festival. They try to do Woodstock again, but. Uh, they decided the Rolling Stones got the Hells Angels biker gang to do the security for it. And uh, things didn't go to plan. Let's mm. put it that way. Huh? Yeah, so um, the lineup was Santana, um, the Flying Burrito Brothers, who we've got coming up in, mm-hmm. a, in a couple of months, um, Jefferson Airplane, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, The Grateful Dead, and The Rolling Stones. Um, there'd been multiple venue changes, meaning there was no portaloos and the stage was at the bottom of a big hill. Um, can you imagine the state, like the stink? Just in general, people talk about Woodstock as well, and I think, oh, can you imagine smelly bastards? But but not even just the like lack of toilets and stuff. Just like think about all the stuff that you go to festivals now. Uh-huh. That you just take as for granted as like I don't know camping zones and camping zones, cheesy toasty vans, yeah, bottled water, and yeah, I guess to- toilets and toilets, a big you know. van that comes and a tube goes out of the van into the toilet and sucks it all out and drives away. There'd been none of that. It would have been absolutely fucking reeking. No wonder yeah. they were all taking so much acid. It was probably to try and fucking deal with the the smell goblin. Smell goblin, just a goblin that is made out of the yeah. bad smell. <laughs> I, can, I can, I can, I can, I can, I can, I can dig that, brother. So the Rolling Stones hired the Hell's Angels to basically do security of the stage. They yeah. were paid with five hundred dollars of beer, um, in order to ward off potential stage invaders. They used sawed-off pool cues and yeah. bike chains. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. See if you think that I don't like hippies. You should go talk to some Hells Angels because they really don't like hippies. I think they really embraced the opportunity to beat the shit out of some hippies. Yeah. Um, a couple of the uh, incidents from the day. 
Um, one of the during Jefferson Airplane set, one of the Hell's Angels bikes was knocked over. Now you don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Don't ride a bike that's uh, they're so easy to knock over motorbikes. They should design them different. You want me to tell the Hell's Angels? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I actually have my dad was babysat by the Blue Angels. Um, who are the Scottish That's just equivalent. the name of a local uh, nursery. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. My dad was babysit by the Red Arrows. Yeah, the planes. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. in a, a cot that was flew by fighter jets. Um, so it, uh, one of the Angels' bikes was knocked over um, and Marty Ballin of Jefferson, Air- Jefferson Airplane was on stage and saw that uh, there was an altercation taking place as a result of the um, aforementioned bike falling and kind of went over and went, hey, whoa, guys, come on. It's a music festival. Hey, I'm Marty Ballin. All right. One of the Hells Angels uh, sparked him the fuck out and he was unconscious. Yeah. Um, the Grateful Dead just looked at, around and went, we're not fucking doing this. Um, there's too much craziness going on. Mm-hmm. Stills from um, Crosby Stills, Nash and Young, was uh, was stabbed in the leg um, by one of the Hell's Angels with a sharpened bicycle spoke. <laughs> and during the Rolling Stones set, someone came on stage um, with a gun, yeah. presumably trying to shoot. Uh, one of the stones yeah um and the angels to be fair they did their job and they went on and they stabbed the uh, man with the gun to death yeah so that was the end of hippies that night basically that was the end of the summer i love <laughs> well yeah that's what it's like considered as that isn't it and there was a, there's a, a documentary film about it called um give me shelter mm-hmm. um but that's what happens man you know when your movement is co-opted by commercialism you're gonna get stabbed. Yeah, and just you know, if you if you employ the Hell's Angels as security. Come yeah, on. Um, here's uh, a thing that happened with this band. Um, they're a wee bit like Sparks, in that they changed with the times over the years. Because initially they were a psychedelic rock band, then they changed their name to Jefferson Starship. And they were like a different type of band, like a eighties pop band mm. or seventies pop band, and then they were just Starship, and they done that song Jane. And Sweet like, Jane. No, no, that one, another one. Jane. <laughs> uh, what's that? And then they done the. We built this city. We built this city on rock, rock and roll. Did yeah. they do that? They, this is that band. They just That's changed fucking crazy. Bit. Well, they had they, <clears throat> they did have a crazy like changing lineup as well. So before um, Grace Slick joined, uh, it was a different singer who then left because uh, she had a kid. She was pretty cool. Uh, um, and then it was so. Th- but this this set lineup is basically the peak of yeah. uh, the, the, the 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 band's existence. Um, and yeah, this this album was like a, a huge success. It is like a sort of slightly psychedelic folk album, I guess. Is like the way to describe it. I was really, I watched this documentary about it last night. Uh, I watched, you know, I like my bad YouTube documentaries. So mm. I watched my usual the sad, <laughs> the life and sad end of uh, Grace Slick, where she doesn't die. Then she just retires to uh, paint dogs and cats in her garage but uh, it was talking about how this band formed and it was like so what's the name of this guy who ran the Matrix? 
Martin Alby. Okay, so Martin Alby, he was like a folk singer, pop singer who wasn't very successful. Started this nightclub. Sorry, Martin Marty Ballin. Okay, big Marty Ballin. He started the Matrix. He had uh, like a nightclub, but he had a kind of unsuccessful solo career. Then he just kept meeting people, but they all had different styles. So he was like a pop singer. He would meet a folk guitarist and a, a blues drummer. And he just basically had all these different uh, genres join. And it was all different. You can kind of tell it, listen to it. It's like, A, it feels like all the bits are interesting. But there's, it's, there's a bit of Mr. Benism going on in this album. I think that's a little bit harsh. I think I think uh, the Mr. Ben accusation, just to clue anyone in, um, comes from Harry Styles' album, where it really feels like he's trying to um, play a character, play the role of like loads of different famous like rock musicians that came before him in, uh-huh. in separate songs. Whereas this is just like a sort of there are some sort of fairly contrasting styles throughout. But I think overall the album still feels like it's one piece. Yeah. It doesn't feel as disjointed as... Look, say what you like about Jefferson Airplane, but it does not feel as disjointed as Harry Styles' second album. I think it does. I honestly (laughs) think it does. Really? Yeah. Are we talking about the album now? Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to get into it... Oh, mate. ...then we can. What's going on with this record? You hear You hear somebody you love in White Rabbit and you go, holy moly, this is going to be class. This is going to be an hour of psychedelic rock with this... Yeah, secretly rich, beautiful, acid queen, the chrome nun. She's going to be out there fucking jamming and jamming. The chrome nun? That was a nickname that she had for a while. I thought I saw that in one of a series of robot wars. (laughs) (laughs) Sir Killalot versus the chrome nun. She's flipped him. (laughs) What was that pet? It's the acid test. Chrome Nun is in the pit. <laughs> <laughs> so she was a Chrome Nun, right? And I was like, oh my God, she's going to be fantastic. This is going to be like powerful female vocals. Mm. But these two songs, the hits, they're like the only songs that are like that, really. The rest is just this Marty Ballin guy singing. He's not very good. <laughs> I think that's a little bit harsh. Um, I mean, but... It does make sense that they do stand out, those songs, because um, Someone to Love was um, a song by the Great Society. So was White Rabbit. Well, White Rabbit wasn't by the Great Society. It was just by um, Grace Slick. I listened to the Great Society live album, Live from the Matrix, mm. and they do Somebody to Love, and then they do White Rabbit as well. And it's like right. a six-minute psychedelic they, they, version. They, they sing it, but Grace Slick is like the soul. Oh, it's her thing? I mean, yeah. So I'm like, so it's oh. Her thing, so yeah, yeah. So, so the two most famous songs for this album are like Grace Slick written. She had them before she even joined the band. And I'm like, oh, the rest's going to be like that. But it's not. And you don't think it's good? I'm surprised by that. I think it's uh, quite a, a, a good... I like the sort of semi-stylistic changes. I think some of the, the music in it, I think, is really beautiful. And there are Grace Slick's vocals on a few of the other tracks, dude. Like, she does sing. It's she's, not the, of, she's not the main event. Yeah, they kind of share the role of lead singer. They should uh, not. <laughs> but, you know, I think the contrast is really good, particularly on the opening track, right? Um, the opening track is uh, She Has Funny Cars, mm-hmm. um, and Marty starts, and the way she comes in, 
I just think is really haunting and really beautiful. And and I like as soon as I heard the first song on the album, the way she came in, it reminded me of Nico in uh, Velvet Underground. Mm, she's um, getting a, she's getting an amazing voice. It's a really haunting. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, um, it's really beautiful. I, I and, just wish there was a version of this record where Marty and the rest of the lads, you know, whack him, whoever that guy's name is, the guitarist, who is a great guitarist. I just wish they'd went, here, we've got this new singer. Why don't, why don't we just let her be the star of the show? Because she's fucking incredible. But then you've got, you know, the main guys rapping about dildos and all this kind of stuff towards the end. Rapping about dildos? My plastic fantastic friend! I'm being raped by the TV set. And you're like... I don't think you can call that rapping. It, it is... Was... You know what? In terms of Mr. Benism, that plastic fantastic lover at the end of the song is a Bob Dylan impression. Yeah, as a wee bit Bob dylan Yeah. Uh, it's, it, yeah, you're right. If Bob Dylan sang a song about dildos, then that... It be... would sound exactly like that. <gasps> and actually... Hey. He Love, honey. Like a, he does sound like a vibrating dildo sometimes, doesn't he? <laughs> One that's like attached to like a motor, maybe. I think the battery's dying. It's very inconsistent <laughs> with its energy. <laughs> I got a bullet from Aaron Summers name. Oh, I got a pink rabbit in my asshole. Actually, yeah, White Rabbit and Plastic Fantastic. That's two dildo themed songs. White Rabbit's not about dildos, let's not. How do you feel? That's another dildo themed song. A B C D. Three fifths of a mile in ten seconds. That's how fast the dildo goes when you jam it right <laughs> up your jacksy. Now I think three um three fifths of a mile in ten seconds is a great song. Yeah, so that one was uh I don't know if it I think uh so the thing with Jerry Garcia, right, is they had to get him on as a spiritual advisor. But what that means is that he essentially produced most of it. Yeah. So they had the record company signed these guys up when they were like a wee fledgling band and they were like, Oh, we want to give you the full pop star Phil Spector treatment. We want him to have all this echoing and make it like grand pop music. And they were like, Nah, we know this guy from San Francisco called Jerry Garcia who's in the Grateful Dead and we love him, so we want him to work on it. And they were like, Nah. <laughs> Cause, uh, nah. Uh, so they basically, he wrote and produced most, uh, some of it. So yep. that song in particular is a Jerry Garcia number. And I do I do like some of it. I think the more Jerry Garcia stuff. But see, when this smarty guy gets a hold of a song, I'm just like, come on, man. Step aside. Like Grace Slick, the best singer that you know. Just let her sing more. Yeah, there's, um, what's it, Coming Back To Me, I'm Not Crazy About. Um, and there's a song called um, Today, um, which is very popular, but... Not a fan yeah. myself. Here's... I prefer My... I prefer yesterday by, by the, the Beatles. Beatles or tomorrow um from um is it what musical is that in? Tomorrow tomorrow here's what here's what's exemplified for me. So you you go on the album and you're like, Oh my god, somebody I love Don't you want it's like a pure existential need a deeply human feeling that anybody can relate to. This is incredible and it's like so atmospheric and fucking driving. 
And then the next song is My best You are my best My best friend And it's like Come on you fuck Yeah my best friend is like a You know what I'm, I'm, I, The more we talk about it The more I'm kind of getting The Mr. Beninisms You know Because it's a little bit That's quite Beatles-y as well isn't it There's definite Beatles um, Like psychedelic Beatles wannabes mm-hmm. um, a, f- a few of the tracks um, the what? There's something interesting about embryonic journey. Yes, yeah, quite f- cool and interesting. The more I listen to it, the more I just go. I guess it's quite cool that there's an album where it's just like here's a bunch of people who know each other. They've all got a couple of songs. The guy from the Grateful Dead's helping out put it together, so it's pretty trippy. But also, you know, in terms of like an album being uh, like really representative of the the time, mm-hmm. like if you want to capture the spirit of like like we say the summer of love, the swinging sixties, the happenings the, and San the happenings, you know, the the sort of anti Vietnam movement and uh, you know all, all of that stuff. Sure. Um, Woodstock and and all of that, then this is like a, a great album to, uh, to uh, it's a great period piece, you know, of 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 that time. Um, that's interesting stuff about the embryonic journey. So that's a, a musical bit, like a it's just just a instrumental, instrumental. A jangly guitar, beautiful instrumental. Yeah. Which I, I thought the guitar sound... and that was very spacey. Yeah, it sounded nice. Um, I found out it was it was used a lot um, around sort of sixties and seventies as because it was so pleasant and instrumental. Um, radio DJs would often play that just before they cut to like news broadcasts because there was the news was so often so dreadful because it was you know this is how many soldiers have died in vietnam yeah this is what's happening with watergate they like, should do that now because uh, there's a lot of stuff going on just now but then the bbc news is still like the bbc news theme is a certified banger yeah have you seen Bill Bailey's bit about it? I just want to shout out to Bill Bailey because he did a bit shout about it. Shout ago. out to Bill Bailey, young up-and-coming comedian. Uh, My boy Bill, seen him uh, up the creek last week. Yeah, he did Monkey Barrel a couple of weeks ago. Uh, top banana. and uh, he, won it. he won the top banana. He won the top. I mean, he had a piano, so it's kind of cheating, but... <laughs> yeah. It took five minutes to get him on stage. <laughs> Do you know what song I really... F- I haven't even got to my least favourite song. Go on. In the Morning. Well, now hold hold your horses. Okay. So in the morning, I think you've made a little bit of a boo boo here, my friend. You're listening to the 2003 edition of Surrealistic Pillow. <laughs> what, what edition are you listening? The original version in which Plastic Fantastic Lover is the last song. Oh, I should have been listening to that one. Jesus. So you've uh, you've been listening to an extra one, two, three, four, five, six songs. No wonder I think this is a bit long. Probably an extra half an hour's worth at least of, of material. Mm. Um this this was the two thousand and three reissue that you were right, to Okay. Okay, um, I'm going to look Slag it. off in the morning still, if you like. It's a six-minute sort of... Uh, it's got, I mean, there's some like Howl and Wolf in there. I listened to that, that and I was like, that's a good cool bit of harmonica and stuff like that, and you don't like it? You think I like six extremely wealthy hippies ripping off the blues? Now, Come just to be on. just to be clear, I did research on the rest of the, the group, and I couldn't find any other evidence of Secret Posture, only on um, Grace, so... The drummer, so, I don't know if it was the drummer who was on this, I wanted an album before this for these lads and ladies, but one of the drummers took so much acid that he went into a mental hospital. So I doubt he was, I doubt his dad was a banker, <laughs> you know. 
Well, you never know. I you mean, never know. It was it 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 was it was the sixties. You know, mm-hmm. this was acid tests and and all that crazy shit. So yeah. Um, you know. Uh, Let me just look at the the the, the true track list then, and maybe that will rejig my because uh, it does. You don't want to get into a bonus track edition album. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, all of the tracks generally. Uh, uh, I mean, most of the songs are actually pretty short, right? Right. Um, uh, until you get to the bonus tracks. So yeah, you've definitely you've added on. Oh. So plus, there's only eleven tracks. I believe so. Oh mate, I might uh, I might have fucked this. Maybe that's hey. why I don't like it. Well, look, here's the thing. I mean. You put it into uh, your streaming service of choice. This is what your there's no original one on, uh, on Apple Music. Yeah, look, I I only found out after seeing the track listing on the the Wikipedia page, and I was yeah. grateful because you're right. Uh, the full um, the full album, the, the 2003 album, is an hour, and I was like, fucking hell, an hour? It's too long. But then without that, I think it goes down to like. 40 minutes or something which as yeah. I've said before is a great album length I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt there it's not as bad as I thought it was however I stand by the idea that they should have just realised that they had one of the best singers in the world and let her sing her heart out man because the difference in the atmosphere when she's singing versus when that mad guy's singing you're just like well one of them sounds like a god another one sounds like a wee guy I wonder if um, you know the contrast between them uh, makes her stand out if, even more, though. You know, um, it could have definitely been utilised more. Her voice, uh, you know, definitely could have been utilised more. I wonder if cutting him out completely may have um, softened the impact of her voice, though, because you you That's hear her point. you hear her ghostly warbling next to his just sort of g- generic sixties um, <laughs> singing, yeah. and you're like, whoa, you know? Yeah, totally. But I had uh, but, only heard somebody to love and White Rabbit before listening to this, and I was like, don't "This is." Don't you want somebody love? Don't you need somebody love? And I'll tell you this: see the what was the name of that band? The Boogie Pimps. Yeah, they get rid of him completely. I'm pretty sure. Uh, it's just her, and that's it's, what ju- I it's just her babies and boobies. Check it out. <laughs> um, right. Let's ask the question. Christopher, did you enjoy an album? Did I enjoy an album? I would say no. I was, I was really upset by it. I thought a lot of it was really kind of naff. And uh, just kind of like... I, I, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. I'm surprised by that. And I think if we were to go through the list of albums that you've said yes or no to, <laughs> saying no to this, but yes to, I don't know fucking daddy yankee wow it's so interesting that you think a proper <laughs> boomeritis 60s rolling stone magazine i'm i pesh, I, 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 I i'm just saying and you're like oh but this uh this 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 young puerto rican man who's reinvented the whole genre uh you like that but you don't like these rich white people I'm Liam, just, you need to check I'm your priorities i'm just naming facts that's all i actually didn't attach any uh a thought or feeling to the statement that I made. You've inferred all that um, because you're projecting about Correctly your own, your own weak source, uh, musical criticism, lack of consistency. My hot take 
in an alternate universe where Grace Slick gets the attention she deserves, this is in the top 100. But because it's full of fucking guys rapping about dildos in a Bob Dylan voice, uh, you know what? It's in the late 400. See you later, Vibrator. Oh, my pleasure, fantastic asshole. Ooh. <laughs> Shut up. Marty. Uh, uh, ask me. Liam, uh, here's a question. Did Hit you enjoy me. an album? I did. I did enjoy it. That's interesting. I think it's a good period piece of a, of a important time in musical history. Um, a good window back back to the sixties and uh, the political upheaval of the time. I tell you um, what. Whilst I don't, let me finish. Whilst I don't think, um, you know, all, all the songs or even the album are perfect. I'm glad I listened to it. And there's a few standout songs on the album that I think are really excellent. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I tell you what. I'm so fucking fed up with the sixties. I don't care about the sixties. I want to hear what music was good ten years ago. What music was good 20 years ago that we forgot about? Instead of constantly being obsessed with this 60-year-old pish for 80-year-olds. This is 80-year-old music. You'd be 80 if you're listening to this when you were 20. Come on! Wait, are you going to then just, like, basically write off... I'm going to give it an opportunity, and if it's a guy rapping about dildos, I'm going to go, no, this isn't important, like you say it is. Everybody... No, I think it is important. I think you're. I think you're reaching for a hot take. There's here, much right? more interest in um, psychedelic rock bands. Put it that way. Right, but this had had a cultural relevance at the time, didn't it? Fuck them. What was your playlist pick for? Uh, on the what was your favorite song? Um. Right. Okay. I think we. Let's just agree that we're going to put in. Um, White Rabbit and some someone to love, right? Yes, let's agree with that. Okay, so those are our two picks. We don't need to unless no, let's do that. No, there's a couple of other nice songs on it that I, I definitely um, do enjoy. Can I uh, just say I think both of these songs are as good as anything that we've covered before. Yeah, they're both really. they're, they're both excellent songs. There are some other songs that I like. I also like some of the song names as well. So she has funny cars. I like hate it. Um, three fifths of a mile in ten seconds. It's pretty cool. Um, I like and I like um, embryonic journey as well. Um, so for for my money, there's five I think stand out really great songs on this album. At mm. least um, maybe on another listen or two, I would I would choose one or two that I would put in that category. Um, I I don't feel the um, the the rest of the album brings it down to to a, a bad album. But we're, we're that's fine. Hey, look, us disagreeing it wouldn't be boring if we just agreed every week with each other about everything. Yeah, it would be. Um, so sometimes you have or to be it wrong about be. stuff. Or it wouldn't be. It would be fine. Uh, what's your second playlist pick? Well, here we go. You know I love the Matrix, <gasps> and oh, you just made the wee face. Go on. I want to put that song in from the first Matrix film where they go into the bank to rescue Morpheus, and it's like. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. It's called, uh, it is by a breakbeat duo called The Propeller Heads, and it's called, what's it called again? Wait a minute. Cut this out. Ready? Spy Break! Exclamation mark by The Propeller Heads is what it's called. And I'm going to put that on. Um, It's so funny because... You've also got a Matrix? I, I want to put a Matrix song on as well. 
What one? Um, clubbed to death. Oh yeah. Also used um, as background music for The Apprentice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, we're Team Importance, and this week on The Apprentice, we're, we've been tasked to set up a muffin stall. Uh, I'm actually gonna uh, set up the best muffin stall that Canary Wharf has ever seen. Sam from that group thinks he's gonna set up the best muffin stall, but what he doesn't know is. I am. All right, come in. Time to have a chat. I'm Alan Sugar. Now, your muffin store only sold two bloody muffins. What well, kind well, of muffin well, is that? Well, I, I, I thought I would do my best. Well, your best ain't good enough. Oh, Alan, please. Where's your muffin store sold 500 muffins? You yeah. think that makes you good, does it? Yeah. Well, guess what? You're the one that's fucking fired. Oh, what? Because she was buying her own muffins to make it look like she was selling more muffins than what she was. Two muffins thought, is the I real winner. I thought you could do that. I thought you were allowed. You're fired. No. Never really worked that because we don't really say fired like that in this country, do we? It's you're kind of like, fired. It should be, you're sacked. You got this sack. <laughs> that would be great. And then uh, like a big ball bag squashes them. You just got the sack. And then <laughs> they actually die. Uh, who are we listening to next week? Uh, next week it's going to be a little-known cash money rapper known as Juveniles with their great album, 500 Degrees, with a Z. Juveniles, whose brother is Juva Frazier. <laughs> yes, yes, I refuse to acknowledge what you've just said. Come on. Um, You're sacked. You got this sack. <laughs> That's what I'm saying to you for saying that. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, we hope you enjoy your week. We hope you enjoy your life. This has been Enjoy an Album. With Christopher MacArthur Boyd. And Liam with me. We hope you enjoyed this. <laughs> <laughs>